Hello and welcome to Stories to Fall Asleep To, the second season of Reading with Carrie. This mindfulness podcast incorporates ASMR elements to help reduce your stress, relieve your anxiety, and lull you to sleep. I am your host, Carrie Favel, and I am so thankful that you've decided to spend some time with me. Thank you for joining me yet again. I always enjoy this time that we share. Even though I record this in what is now your past, I still feel like we have a connection. And I really love that we are united in this and our love of stories, or maybe the love of mindfulness, whatever the cause that brings you to my podcast. I thank you. So I think I alluded to the fact that I have the podcast second season thought out and I am considering going ahead and recording those extra episodes. Um, I've not skipped any stories. I am going along, but obviously I skipped some weeks. So I might be posting additional videos maybe towards the end because my second season is scheduled to wrap up in June, which would celebrate the one year anniversary of the podcast. So it might not fit in with the once a week schedule towards the end, uh, which is good for you if you enjoy these stories. So hopefully you won't mind. I just wanted to prepare you just in case you feel it being spammy. It's not extra episodes or anything like that. It's just making sure that I keep with the plan that I had. I will be taking a very short break in between the second season and what will be the third season. Um, I'm going to record a special, um, if you could see me, I would have, I'm using air quotes, um, of just some stories that I loved uh, hearing uh, my mother read to me when I was a little girl. Um, They are not in the public domain, so unfortunately I can't read the full story, um, but I can definitely read the little mini stories in the book itself. Um, And that will kind of prepare the breakaway into season three. Uh, But I will talk about that a little bit more at the end of season two, when I give an update of the state of the podcast address. But I think I've spoken long enough for this one. So let's jump in to a nice mindfulness exercise. Here is a simple, basic mindfulness breathing exercise. In a comfortable sitting position, with eyes open or closed, arms wherever they are comfortable, legs in a relaxed position, take note of your body, the shape that it's in, the weight of each limb resting together. Breathe in deeply on a slow count of four. Hold the breath for just a moment and focus on the sensation in your chest. Breathe out on a slow count of four. And listen to your body. Feel the sensations, the touch of each part, the connection of you with the item you are sitting on, a chair, the bed, the carpet. Feel yourself relax. Soften your breath in a slow, steady rhythm. 
Don't alter your breath. Just feel the natural flow of your breath. Feel how your body naturally goes through the motion. Where do you feel the breath in your body? Can you feel it enter through your nostrils, in your throat, down in your lungs, or deeper in your stomach? Feel the sensations of your breath, and don't try to anticipate the next movement. It's alright if your mind wanders, just gently refocus back to your breathing. Stay in the moment for a few more breaths. Feel your body in the surroundings. Where do your arms rest? What are your fingertips feeling? Where is your tongue settled in your mouth? Go through each part of the body. Now, what do you hear? How many sounds can you decipher in the room? Does your breathing make a noise? Is your stomach gurgling? Take another deep breath in on a slow count of four. And as you release this breath, Feel your relaxed mind slowly come back to this podcast. Don't rush. Sit in this moment a while. Indulge your sensations in the bliss. Let out a peaceful, audible sigh. You've earned it. And now here's the story. Bluebeard by Charles Perrault There was some time ago a gentleman who was very rich. He had fine town and country houses. His dishes and plates were all of gold or silver. His rooms were hung with damask. His chairs and sofas were covered with the richest silks. And his carriages were all gilt with gold in a grand style. But it happened that this gentleman had a blue beard, which made him so very frightful and ugly that none of the ladies in the parts where he lived would venture to go into his company. Now there was a certain lady of rank who lived very near him and had two daughters, both of them of very great beauty. Bluebeard asked her to bestow one of them upon him for a wife and left it to herself to choose which of the two it should be. But both of the young ladies again and again said they would never marry Bluebeard. Yet, to be as civil as they could, each of them said the only reason why she would not have him was because she was loath to hinder her sister from the match, which would be such a good one for her. Still, the truth of the matter was that they could neither of them bear the thoughts of having a husband with a blue beard. And besides, they had heard of his having been married to several wives before, and nobody could tell what had ever become of any of them. As Bluebeard wished very much to gain their favor, he asked the lady and her daughters, and some ladies who were on a visit at their house, to go with him to one of his country seats where they spent a whole week, during which they passed all their time in nothing but parties for hunting and fishing, music, dancing, and feasts. No one even thought of going to bed, and the nights were passed in merrymakings of all kinds. 
In short, the time rolled on in so much pleasure that the youngest of the two sisters began to think that the beard which she had been so much afraid of was not so very blue, and that the gentleman who owned it was vastly civil and pleasing. Soon after their return home, she told her mother that she had no longer any dislike to accept of Bluebeard for her husband, and in a very short time they were married. About a month after the marriage had taken place, Bluebeard told his wife that he should be forced to leave her for a few weeks, as he had some affairs to attend to in the country. He desired her to be sure to indulge herself in every kind of pleasure, to invite as many of her friends as she liked, and to treat them with all sorts of dainties, that her time might pass pleasantly till he came back again. Here, said he, are the keys of the two large wardrobes. This is the key of the great box that contains the best plate, which we use for company. This belongs to my strong box, where I keep my money, and this belongs to the casket, in which are all my jewels. Here also is a master key to all the rooms in the house, but this small key belongs to the closet at the end of the long gallery on the ground floor. I give you leave, said he, to open or to do what you like with all the rest except this closet. This, my dear, you must not enter, nor even put the key into the lock, for all the world." If you do not obey me in this one small thing, you must expect the most dreadful punishments. She promised to obey his orders in the most faithful manner, and Bluebeard, after kissing her tenderly, stepped into his coach and drove away. When Bluebeard was gone, the friends of his wife did not wait to be asked, so eager were they to see all the riches and fine things she had gained by marriage, for they had none of them gone to the wedding, on account of their dislike to the Bluebeard of the bridegroom. As soon as ever they came to the house, they ran about from room to room, closet to closet, and then from wardrobe to wardrobe, looking into each with wonder and delight, and said that every fresh one they came to was richer and finer than what they had seen the moment before. At last they came to the drawing-rooms, where their surprise was made still greater by the costly grandeur of the hangings, the sofas, the chairs, carpets, tables, sideboards, and looking-glasses. The frames of these last were silver gilt, most richly adorned, and in the glasses they saw themselves from head to foot. In short, nothing could exceed the riches of what they saw, and they all did not fail to admire the envy of the good fortune of their friend. But all this time the bride herself was far from thinking about the fine speeches they made to her, for she was eager to see what was in the closet her husband told her not to open. So great indeed was her desire to do this, that without once thinking how rude it would be to leave her guests, she slipped away down a private staircase that led to this forbidden closet, and in such a hurry that she was two or three times in danger of falling downstairs and breaking her neck. When she reached the door of the closet, she stopped for a few moments to think of the order her husband had given her, and how he had told her that he would not fail to keep his word and punish her very severely if she did not obey him. But she was so very curious to know what was inside that she made up her mind to venture in spite of everything. She then, with a trembling hand, put the key into the lock, and the door straight flew open. As the window shutters were closed, she at first could see nothing, but in a short time she saw that the floor was covered with clotted blood, on which the bodies of several dead women were lying. These were all the wives whom Bluebeard had married and killed one after another. At this sight she was ready to sink with fear, and the key of the closet door, which she held in her hand, fell on the floor. When she had a little got the better of her fright, she took it up, locked the door, and made haste back to her own room, that she might have a little time to get into a humor to amuse her company. 
But this she could not do, so great was her fright at which she had seen. As she found that the key of the closet had got stained with blood and falling on the floor, she wiped it two or three times over to clean it. Yet still the blood kept on it, the same as before. She next washed it, but the blood did not move at all. She then scoured it with brick dust and after with sand, but in spite of all she could do, the blood was still there. For the key was a fairy, who was Bluebeard's friend, so that as fast as she got off the blood on one side, it came again on the other. Early in the same evening, Bluebeard came home, saying that before he had gone far on his journey, he was met by a horseman, who was coming to tell him that his affair in the country was settled without his being present, upon which his wife said everything she could think of, to make him believe she was in a transport of joy at his sudden return. The next morning he asked her for the keys. She gave them to him, but as she could not help showing her fright, Bluebeard easily guessed what had been the matter. How is it, said he, that the key of the closet upon the ground floor is not here? Is it not, said the wife, that I must have left it on my dressing table? Be sure you give it me by and by, replied Bluebeard. After going a good many times backwards and forwards, as if she was looking for the key, she was at last forced to give it to Bluebeard. He looked hard at it, and then said, How came this blood upon the key? I am sure I do not know, replied the poor lady, at the same time turning white as a sheet. You do not know? said Bluebeard sternly. But I know well enough. You have been in the closet on the ground floor. Very well, madam. Since you are so mighty fond of this closet, you shall be sure to take your place among the ladies you saw there. His wife, who was almost dead with fear, now fell upon her knees, asked his pardon a thousand times for her fault, and begged him to forgive her, looking all the time so very mournful and lovely that she would have melted any heart that was not harder than a rock. But Bluebeard only said, No, no, madam, you shall die this very minute. Alas, said the poor trembling creature, If I must die, give me at least a little time to say my prayers. I give you, replied the cruel Bluebeard, half a quarter of an hour, not a moment longer. When Bluebeard had left her to herself, she called her sister, and after telling her, as well as she could for sobbing, that she had but half a quarter of an hour to live, Prithee, said she, Sister Anne, this was her sister's name, run up to the top of the tower, and see if my brothers are not in sight, for they said they would visit me today, and if you see them, make a sign for them to gallop on as fast as ever they can. Her sister straight did as she was desired, and the poor trembling lady, every minute, cried out to her sister, Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? Her sister said, I see nothing but the sun, which makes a dust, and the grass, which looks green. In the meanwhile, Bluebeard, with a great scimitar in his hand, bawled as loud as he could to his wife, Come down at once, or I will fetch you. One moment longer, I beseech you, she replied, and again called softly to her sister, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? To which she answered, I see nothing but the sun, which makes a dust, and the grass, which looks green. Bluebeard now again bawled out, Come down, I say, this very moment, or I shall come to fetch you. I am coming. Indeed, I will come in one minute, sobbed his wretched wife. Then she once more cried out, Anne, Sister Anne, do you see anyone coming? I see, said her sister, a cloud of dust a little to the left. Do you think it is my brothers? said the wife. Alas, no, dear sister, she replied. It is only a flock of sheep. Will you come down, madam? said Bluebeard in the greatest rage. Only one single moment more, said she, and then she called out for the last time. Sister Anne, Sister Anne, do you see no one coming? I see, replied her sister, two men on horseback coming, but they are still a great way off. Thank God, 
cried she. They are my brothers. Beckon them to make haste. Bluebeard now cried out so loud for her to come down that his voice shook the whole house. The poor lady, with her hair loose and all in tears, now came down and fell on her knees, begging him to spare her life. But he stopped her, saying, All this is of no use, for you shall die. And then, seizing her by the hair, raised his scimitar to strike off her head. The woman now begged a single moment to say one prayer. No, no, said Bluebeard. I will give you no more time. You have had too much time already. And again he raised his arm. Just at this instant, a loud knocking was heard at the gates, which made Bluebeard wait for a moment to see who it was. The gates now flew open, and two officers, dressed in their uniform, came in, and with their swords in their hands, ran straight to Bluebeard, who, seeing they were his wife's brothers, tried to escape from their presence. But they pursued and seized him before he had gone twenty steps, and plunging their swords into his body, he fell down dead at their feet. The poor wife who was almost as dead as her husband, was not able at first to rise and embrace her brothers. But she soon came to herself, and, as Bluebeard had no heirs, she found herself the owner of his great riches. She gave a part of his vast fortune as a marriage dowry to her sister Anne, who soon after became the wife of a young gentleman who had long loved her. Some of the money she laid out in buying captain's commissions for her two brothers, and the rest she gave to a worthy gentleman, whom she married shortly after and whose kind treatment soon made her forget Bluebeard's cruelty. Thank you for listening. I welcome you back any time you need to hear a comforting voice or a familiar bedtime story. But for now, let's prepare your mind and body for some much-needed rest. Start by checking in with your body and making sure you are as comfortable as possible. Place the tip of your tongue on the tissue right behind the top front teeth. Slowly exhale and empty the lungs of air. Through the nose, breathe in quietly for four seconds. Three, four. Hold the breath for a count of seven seconds. Five, six, seven. Purse your lips and exhale forcefully through the mouth, making a whoosh sound for eight seconds. Six, seven, Eight. If you need to, you can repeat this cycle up to four times, but any more than four, and you might start to feel lightheaded or dizzy. Remember that if you find it too difficult to hold your breath on the count of seven, you can use a shorter cycle of two seconds breathing in, hold your breath for 3.5 seconds, and exhale for four seconds. Good night, and sleep well, my friend.